right, 802 in the Capital Region. Uh, let's bring in our daily 8 o'clock main man. On the mark, powered by Booster Juice, visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download their new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy. That means Mark Spector. On the mark, good morning, Spec. How are you today? Doing okay. Watch that uh, rather unwatchable uh, Oilers game last yeah. night. But uh, I stuck it out till the end. Did you? <laughs> I was hit and miss. I went back and forth. I was flipping around just between. Again, for me, it's so hard in the early preseason to watch. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way. What, do, you, do you do you feel the same way? I mean, I, I can't really uh, look at players and put so much of a vested interest and so much um, uh, analyzing them to death. I think it's not as fair as it can be later in the preseason. I don't know. Do you feel the same way? Well, listen, last night the Jets had 11 regulars in their lineup and the Oilers had four. And mm. the four that Edmonton had was their th- two third-pairing defensemen and two rookies in Holloway and Broberg. <laughs> <laughs> that was their four regulars. Yeah. I guess you want to count Adam Ernie? I don't know. He's not going to be a regular in Edmonton. So when you're looking at a situation where one team's got 11 regulars and their top line, roughly speaking, and you know their backup goalie, Brassois is probably going to back up yeah. Hellebuck, uh, it is. It's just hard to judge guys when you know, one team is so much better than the other, right? Mm-hmm. I, I Honestly, I, only, I wait till probably the last two or three games. Maybe two to make an assessment on players, uh, just the way it is. I don't. Know. I've always been that way. It's hard for me to to get excited to put um, a gauge uh, and say, well, this guy did so and so in game one and game two of the preseason. Again, as you said, against a, a roster on the opposition that just you know, it's a it's a half roster, right? So. Yeah, I know. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. It's it's kind of goofy, but I mean that's the, the that's why I think you do need to take with a grain of salt yeah, the first couple games exactly. of the preseason. On Wednesday, you're going to get probably McDavid and Drysaddle mm-hmm. play, and they're commensurate wingers. Whoever you know, I don't know what Vancouver's going to dress, but it'll be Edmonton with the 11 or 12 regulars going on Wednesday, and at least you'll be able to look at your team and say, you know, how do they play, right? And you always want to dress your stars at home, right? You're always, they very rarely play on the road early on. I would imagine you'll see that in Seattle late in the preseason. But because the Oilers do have, uh, what, three days off between the first uh, regular season game and their and their postseason or preseason final uh, game. Having said that, Spec, was there anyone that sort of maybe stood out to you a little bit last night? A little bit, uh, you know. I still like Holloway's game. He does. He does fly around out there, and I like that. You know, he'll slowly, I think, become a player who uses that speed and and tenaciousness in a more concerted fashion. He's still a little flying all over the place mm-hmm. uh, guy, but you know what? You sure notice him. And he is. He's throwing some hits. He's taking the puck to the net. He's not afraid to do that. There's one occasion where he. A lot of guys would have taken it around back of the net, and I've seen Holloway a lot of times here. He cuts hard and gets it to the front of the net, which I like. Uh, so that was good. Who else played well? Um, just trying to think. Didn't mind Adam Ernie's game. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm watching Broberg every time I see him because I think he's a really. This is a really important time for him, and uh, I'm still, you know, I'm still trying to make a decision between a guy that plays the game calm and and isn't flying around and it's, it's just very you know he plays a quiet game 
and a guy who's doing nothing. And I'm not exactly sure some days when he's just playing a quiet, effective game and other days when he's just doing nothing. I'm still trying to figure that out a little bit with Broberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Oilers with a day off today, but no day off for you, Spec. You're just still pounding it out, aren't you? No, I'm going golfing. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going? I'm, I'm playing the quarry today. Haven't played it all year. Uh, and it's such a good track. So we're going to go play the quarry with a couple of friends. And uh, I do have a full day off. No practice, no writing. Uh-huh. Chilling out, baby. Good nice for you. Last game, maybe the last game of golf of the year. Hopefully not. Well, and your tournament's at the quarry every year. And they do such yep. a good job for you in Sports yeah. Central. I drive the course of my tournament, but I never play in the tournament. I'm always just driving around. So it will be fun to go actually play the course. I'm looking forward to a nice day of golf. The weather looks nice. It's a beautiful fall day in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. I'm in the River Valley right now, and uh, I love this time of year, man. Well, and plus, do, do you have any wood chopping to do today after your Frontier Fremont, uh, you know? <laughs> no more wood chopping. That's enough. I got all my fingers. I'm going to count myself lucky and put the chainsaw away. I'm surprised. You could be uh, like a Dallas Aikens disciple with uh, chopping wood and carrying water here, you know? Yeah. You know, yes. do you have a do you have a well out at the lake there? Do you have to carry the water water in by buckets, or what do you do? Well, we do have a well, but it <laughs> pumps it into the house. You just turn the tap on. Oh, well, that's <laughs> the duke. Is, the duke is howling because he's just thinking back to the farm days and how the, you know when he was a young kid, he brought it in by the pails. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh man. Yeah. So anyway, the oils are going to get going here, and I'm looking forward to. Um, you know, let's get into games where some of the big boys are playing. Anyway, let's start to, you know, let's see a power play that's got some guys on it. I was surprised at the end of the game, the Oilers had a power play. I didn't see Broberg on it. Hmm. And um, I'm not sure what that means, but for whatever reason, the coaching staff at that point in the game did not reward him with a shift in the power play. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah, so you were, you've been out and about spec. Uh, did you have a quick little chance to gander at these new uniforms for the Heritage Classic coming up in October? Because they just were sort of released about 20 minutes ago. No, I haven't seen. I mean, I've seen versions of them mm-hmm. earlier. Okay. So if, if I haven't seen the one in the last 20 minutes. Put it that way. If it's the same as what I've seen, looks nice. Yeah. Looks like fun. Um, you know what? There's a new. I saw Tommy Gazzola had a scoop where they're getting rid of the dark blue jerseys uh, pretty quick here. <laughs> well, they, it's they've gone through the gamut of jerseys. We all know that. Uh, but these ones are kind of cool. So when you uh, get a chance later today in between tee shots, have a gander. And uh, I think you'll probably, probably like them. Uh, a lot of people texting in seem to like them. NHL Wookie says Unreal Threads, that's one of them, are text. But I think the general consensus yeah. is pretty good. So Well, you know what? It's funny, like... We, um, what would I say? We have so many versions of so many different jerseys now. It's it's become what British soccer started mm-hmm. or European soccer years ago. They've come out with a new jersey for every tournament they go to, and the fans have to buy it to be current. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it seems like the jerseys that, that we settle on and the ones we like the best turn out to be uh, the old Oilers blue and the old Oilers white. And look at the flames. The Flames are running the same old jersey. They went through the gamut, and they're running the same jerseys. And look at the Canucks, right? The Canucks are running the same old blue and, and uh, greens. So we do sort of uh, we do sway yeah. from the plot a little bit, but we seem to come back to the ones that people really like, don't we? Hey, hey did you like the old flying V black and gold in Vancouver? 
Yeah, no, I didn't think no. that was a no very... One, no one did. <laughs> I don't think anyone did. Then that skate going downhill was ugly. Uh, you know, that was... Everyone takes a good uniform, gets bored with it, goes to something ugly, and then comes back, and that was the ugly years for sure. Mm-hmm. Hey, what was the one... Remember that we did a story about 20 years ago when we were... It was called Convergence, the journal in, back in the day, ITV or Global in the early days. Remember we went out to Laurier uh, Heights Rink? You and I? That's right. Yes, we did. We were doing a story down at the rink at Laurier Heights. And, yes. and we had our old jerseys on. You had a really old one. I had an old uh, Hartford Whalers one. And yes. you, you had one of, because you got some old ones. Yeah, I wear uh, at the lake when I skate in the, uh, on the lake, I have a nice California Gold Seals jersey that the kids today look at and have no clue what it is. <laughs> no clue. No, They're no, like, well, what, is, what is that thing? And you just, yeah, you just need the, the golden skates now, too, for those. Yeah, yeah, the white skates. And oh, yeah, yeah, white, so, yeah. Ah, listen, hockey's had some beauties. I love, in fact, what the San Jose Sharks have done with, the, with uh, their third jersey. They took over that California Golden Seals thing. Yeah. Uh, the current one that they wear, I think it's really cool. It's a homage to, you know, I always thought the Golden Seals were a fascinating franchise with Charlie Finley and all the weird stuff they tried. And frankly, they were ahead of their time, to be mm-hmm. honest. But uh, they didn't win much, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, the one I had on, remember, I had uh, the old Hartford Whalers one, and it had on the back, it had P. Tosh on the name bar. And no one Peter could. Peter Tosh? Yeah, because he was on the Whalers, right? He was in the Pete Tosh was one of the Whalers. Yes, yeah. oh, Bob Marley, Bob Marley, and the Whalers. Yes, no one could wow. figure it out. Good job. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. Guys ahead, everybody on Jamaican culture. <laughs> you had to be in the right frame of mind to get that one, though, Spec. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I'm not in that frame of mind anymore. That was those more of the high school university days, but. <laughs> uh, but you wear your Latvian jersey around a fair bit. Yeah, I wear the Latvian jersey for the auto outdoor skate. I'm not walking down the street wearing it anymore. But uh, well, when they win. It seems when like they win, when they win, it comes out of the drawer. I'd have to find it, to be honest with you. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but anyway, you know what? It's like I still think I, I think that when you have a jersey like the Oilers have with the, the blues they're wearing at home now and the whites, are, I, I've always thought their white mm-hmm. uniform on the road was a, a you know an understated, good looking jersey. And I know why they try to change, and I know why they come out with special uniforms because they want people buying them. I understand all that. But in the end, you know, the very close version of what they started with is what they're at. And I think that if you had fans vote for two jerseys that would never change again, I think you'd have the two that they're wearing right now on Holman Road. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mark Spector, Rogers Sportsnet, our daily guest at uh, 8 o'clock on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440, powered by Booster Juice. Um, You know... uh, (sighs) We were talking a little bit. I just wanted to have a quick uh, chit chat about this. Uh, 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 I don't know how to say it. Like again, Kevin Constantine, WHL. It came out yesterday, and just because we're going to talk about it with Frank, but I mean, this is another situation in 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 coaching where um, an uh, an established coach, a guy that's been around a long time, um, something's happened again. We don't really know what's happened, but yeah. What do you what do you take from? And again, we're going to kind of get into it with Frank again a bit more. But what do you take from this one, Spec? Well, first of all, I've been scouring the internet to mm-hmm. try to find out what happened. I don't know what what he's being accused of doing. So let's yeah. put that out there right now. We're not sure. Um, 
you know what? The reason I think this one holds, this one is grabbing a lot of attention is Kevin Constantine is an old school coach. Yeah. You know, he's a hard uh, coach with, with older sort of ideas. And, you know, the minute we hear his name and, and the suspension or one of these things, we think, oh, yeah, here we go. It's always these old school guys. Well, listen, he coaches the way he coaches. I'm not defending it. But I think he's probably coaching the same way. But the world, the hockey world, doesn't accept the same things it did even five and ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And if if you're going to be, you can be an old coach in hockey, but you better not be coaching the way you did even in 2005, let alone 1985. So the Kevin Constantines of the world, or the Daryl Sutters, or whoever we want to name, the Bill Peters, the you know any guy who we would look at and say. There's an old school coach. That guy's got to adapt. He's not coaching the same sport he coached, you know, back in the Western League in 1997. It's a different game now. There's different people. There's different expectations. And I don't know what happened with Constantine, mm-hmm. but I would suspect that whatever happened, it's something he's been doing for a long time. And all of a sudden now it's just not appropriate anymore. So let's wait and find out. But, you know, I think it, look at the game on the ice how much. They're not playing the same hockey yeah. game on the ice they played well, even 15 years ago. Why would we coach it the same? It's different. Everything's changed, and you got to keep up with it, man, or get out of the road. Yeah, and I, I think the WHL took so much flack over the Bill Peters hiring that something like this, whatever, whatever's come up, they're nipping this in the bud, bang, 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 and they are making sure that the whole process is done correctly because – they took a lot of flack over the Bill Peters hiring. Well, because they, they screwed it up so bad. Yeah. They should have taken a lot of flack. Yeah. You know, is, is the Western Hockey League not maybe what we just talked about, about trying to grow up and, and evolve? Mm-hmm. Maybe the Western Hockey League's got to evolve a little bit too as a league. So, yeah. you know, it's hard, it's hard to know until we know what happened here. I'm not going to crucify yeah. Constantine without the facts. So, right. you know, let's wait and see what goes down here. Okay. But we've got a changing world out there. And, you know, you know as well as I do, Kevin, we don't cover the game the same way. No. We don't do the same stories. We don't, you know, everything's different. Are you, are you running right now, Speck? You seem out of breath. I'm just walking up a hill. Oh. <laughs> Getting a morning exercise, buddy. Maybe maybe we need uh, we need some uh, things, uh, I don't know, some one of the VO2 machines on you or something. I don't know. <laughs> Don't put me on one of those. I did one before. Oh, man. You killed me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, thanks. Thanks for this, Spec. Uh, and we'll uh, chat with you tomorrow. Have a great golf game. Enjoy the day off. Oh, well, thanks, Kevin. All right. That was On the Mark, energized by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, it'll be our uh, daily headliner from Daily Faceoff. Frank Cervelli, we're going to touch on this uh, Kevin Constantine business in the WHL. A couple of texts coming in uh, as well on the subject. Uh, So, Big Frank joins us uh, when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Oh, the Duke has uh, Frank's uh, intro music down to a T. Time for our headliner of the day, uh, brought to you by Mr. Reuter. All Mr. Reuter fans are... The same as Sports Talk fans. They are just like us and our listeners. Pumped up that Sports Talk Radio is back for all your plumbing needs. Go to mrreuter.ca. And, of course, we'll have our plumbing tip coming up a bit later uh, after we talk to Frank Saravelli from the Daily Faceoff. Hey, Frank, uh, good morning. Where are you, Frank? Are you out west? I am. I'm oh. in uh, Vancouver, so I'm doing a little that. training 
Camp Tour. Yeah. So I'm in uh, Vancouver today, heading to Edmonton uh, later this evening, and then I'll be shipping off to Calgary later in the week. Oh, are you going to be here Thursday morning in Edmonton? Uh, I will not be. Oh. I will be on my way to Calgary. Okay. All righty. Well, we thought maybe we'd get you I right in studio. I would love to pop into the, to the West Ed Mall and oh. hang out with you. Well, it would be great to have you. So um, you've been kind of reporting a little bit about the Kevin Constantine situation uh, in the WHL suspended on the weekend for alleged violations of uh, uh, league regulations, policies. Uh, uh, what can you tell us what you've heard on that, Frank? Anything new in that sense? Uh, nothing new. Uh, this is something that had been, I think, percolating for a couple days. Uh, I don't really have specifics that I'm ready to share yet on, okay. you know, what the allegations are. But suffice to say, uh, something pretty significant that the WHL felt like they needed to take immediate action on. So um, certainly disappointing in that sense that. Um, you know, again, mm-hmm. we're talking about dealing with teenagers here. <laughs> These are the people that should be molding, mentoring, shaping the next generation of not just hockey players, but people. So to see something like this pop up is certainly disappointing. Do you think the WHL wanted to get such a firm and quick grasp on this after what happened with the uh, backlash they took with the hiring of uh, Bill Peters and Lethbridge? Do you think that that had anything to do with it just to get this you know, nip this in the bud right now? Honestly, I think every league should be acting as swiftly as possible when you feel like you have a credible, you know, allegation Mm -hmm. that there's some support to it. What's interesting to me is that the WHL acknowledged that this came through an independent reporting channel, meeting essentially an anonymous, I believe, anonymous whistleblower uh, type situation. The NHL has a hotline set up. They've had one set up for a while. Um, interestingly enough, that wasn't the path that was used with the Mike Babcock situation in Columbus. Um, so perhaps this is something that the WHL has put in place that's working. Okay. Uh, Frank Saravelli, our uh, headliner of the day for Mr. Reuters, our guest uh, every Tuesday and Thursdays on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440. Uh, Mark Recchi uh, hired on as an assistant coach in Columbus. Uh, one thing we do know that would have never happened is if Mike Babcock were still there, Mark Recchi would have never surfaced in Columbus. But what do you make of the hiring uh, to work under Pascal Vincent? Love it. Uh, Mark Recchi is a Hockey Hall of Famer for a reason, a three-time Stanley Cup champion with three different teams. Uh, and someone that has experience behind the bench. He's had stops in both Pittsburgh and New Jersey. Uh, someone that um, has uh, younger kids in his family, certainly understands today's generation of player. And to add that type of expertise, someone that comes in to run your power play, um, I, you know, I think it's a great support addition to the, to the Blue Jackets team. But in addition to that, I do want to highlight, because I think it's fair, that – Pascal Vincent was a really highly thought after coach. Like this is someone that, you know, it's unfortunate the way that he ended up getting this opportunity, but there's zero doubt in my mind or anyone else's mind that at some point in the next handful of coaching hires that Pascal Vincent was going to be one of the next guys. So the fact that he's now getting an opportunity um, to me, I think is a, is a bright spot in what's been a really ugly situation for Columbus to start their year. 
Frank Cervalli uh, joins us from Vancouver as he makes his Western Canadian tour, uh, checking out NHL training camps. So um, do you think, Frank, I mean, we talk about, I mean, and I don't want to put Constantine, even though he did coach in the NHL, but all these older school, older coaches, Mike Babcock, things like that, are there coaches still to this day right now that are in the NHL that you would consider old school but have made that uh, they've adapted to this to a newer age. Is there anyone that, off the top of your head, kind of kind of fits into that category? Yeah, I think there's a bunch. Okay. Um, when you consider some of the guys that have been around for a bit, um, you know, I would consider someone like you guys are familiar with in your market. Todd McClellan is one of those guys. Okay. Um, I, I just mentioned with Mark Recchi the idea of having a son or daughter that's, you know, around the general age of these current players. Like I can't tell you how much I think that's a really helpful thing. Um, players today just communicate differently. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd McClellan has talked about how he's had to change some of those aspects of what he does. Um, I don't know that there's any other sort of super old school guys. I think Bruce Cassidy is one of those that has changed quite a bit particularly in the 20 years between his head coaching opportunities. Um, Paul Maurice is a perfect example, someone that um, really aces the communication aspect of it that I think is so critically Mm -hmm. important. Look, everyone in this league, Kevin, can coach systems, can talk X's and O's till your eyes fall out of your head, but it's really those who are able to get through to players to uh, connect with them, understand what makes them tick and what makes them driven for success, and then find a way to squeeze out every drop of that along the way. Mm-hmm. That's the challenge of being a head coach and doing it over and over and over again, 185 days throughout a season. That's not easy to do, and, and only the sort of master motivators, the ones that are able to, to drive that point home, not, it's not some cheesy speech, mm-hmm. It's, it's really being on a level with your players that they get you, they get where you're coming from, and if you need to, um, you know, d- dangle a carrot some days instead of a stick, uh, some days that's what you need to do. We're with uh, Frank Saravalli, uh, Daily Faceoff. Uh, text comes into one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Lindy Ruff from Walt, that he probably falls into this category. Uh, Frank, uh, what about a guy like uh, John Tortorella? Where does he fall into this category of conversation? It's a good question. Um, I would say that he's someone that is viewed by players as tough but fair and authentic. I was talking to a member of the Flyers last year, James Van Riemsdyk, on, on my podcast, actually. Uh, frankly speaking, mm-hmm. we had a long one-on-one interview. And he said he's played for however many coaches in the NHL. feels like a dozen now. They, they get changed so often that John Tortorella, he thought he was going to come in and and maybe butt heads with him, but he really ended up being the coach that he enjoyed playing for the most simply because he never had any question about where he stood. Mm -hmm. Anytime there was ever any sort of, um, you know, situation where he didn't meet expectations, he knew about it. And anytime the coach was unhappy or, or vice versa was, was thrilled with something that he did or the way that he played, he heard about it. And so there was never any situation where he's like, Oh, I'm walking on eggshells. I don't know what to say to this guy. I don't know how to act around him. It was cut and dry. Mm -hmm. Here's what you do. Well, here's what you don't, here's what I need from you. And, and 
he felt like that was the easiest way for him to play um, and try and get the most out of himself. Um, Frank Cervoli is with us. Uh, one note with uh, Philadelphia because you're so close to the team. Logan Couture, uh, Couturier back on the ice. Um uh, Sean Katuri, pardon me, back on the ice uh, with the Flyers. So, I mean, it's been a long time since he's been playing, right? So wh- how, wh- what's his situation moving forward? Yeah, I think everyone in Philly kind of breathed a little bit of a sigh of relief yeah. yesterday to see Sean Couturier get through their first preseason game against the Devils, even though they got waxed. Uh, not really unlike uh, the game between the Canucks and Flames the other night, just a total lopsided score. And by the way, uh, the the thought process from the Flyers coaching staff seemed to be that uh, they were whipped in their game because they had nothing left. John Tortorella has apparently skated them into the ground <laughs> to start camp. Um, but Sean Couturier seems to be healthy. He seems to be eager to go. I think the one question mark was Cam Atkinson, who also mm-hmm. missed last season. Uh, he was slated to play in the game last night and ended up not participating the Flyers said it was a lower body injury unrelated to uh, the previous injury that he had. Still, nonetheless, for a guy that didn't play last season, you're thinking, man, already to be dealing with an issue in game one of the preseason, that's kind of ugly. Frank Cervelli is our headliner of the day. Uh, Frank, you had an, uh, an article on uh, DFO regarding the uh, two games in Australia. Uh, what did you make of the two games down under? Well, it's certainly fascinating to see the NHL playing games in the Southern Hemisphere for the first time. Um, They nearly didn't happen. And what I mean by that is the ice surface was so poor Mm -hmm. in Rod Laver Arena, which is the tennis facility where they play the Australian Open, that they almost weren't able to play. Uh, They had some meetings. They decided to power through. Some players that I had communicated with said that it was worse than some of the uh, outdoor ice, a lot worse than they've played on around here. Part of that is due to the fact that the NHL had to ship literally an entire rink, boards, you know, uh, resurfacing machines, the whole nine yards, cooling kit in shipping containers halfway around the world since May. Um, those things went in containers, went through the Panama Canal and ended up in Australia like two months later. That's how long it takes. It's an incredible journey to think about. But um, I don't know if they were missing components or there was something to do with the way the building was situated. Nonetheless, far from a perfect experience, um, but the fans seem to be rabid and engaged. Uh, lots of different NHL jerseys around the building, as you might expect. They sold out of merchandise. Um, so it seemed to be really well received and the players and coaches seem to be really impressed with, um, the turnout and, and also the energy in the building, what that means, Kevin, in terms of going back, I guess we'll wait and see and, and see if maybe they can perfect the ice making part of it because, I think a lot of players and the teams were nervous about an injury. Well, that's the whole thing. Uh, remember that outdoor game, Sidney Crosby in the shootout had about a scoop shovel full of snow on his stick and scored still? Yep. Or that was Buffalo, was it? I can't. Uh, I'm trying it was to the first one. That was yeah. like the snow globe. And yeah. It's kind of what perpetuated all of these other outdoor games yeah. after, you know, they waited five years between the Heritage Classic and that. Yeah, for sure. You you did send out after the NHL. Well, I think you were ahead of the NHL sending out the uniforms, uh, Frank, with uh, Heritage Classic coming up. What do you think of those uh, unis, Calgary and, and the Oilers, for October 29th? Uh, I like the Flames one. Ah. I, I, 
I like the Oilers one, and I, I really like the, um, you know, channeling the Edmonton Mercury's energy. Mm-hmm. However, I'm kind of lost on the pants and the glove color. Okay. I feel like if they had just kind of went with a standard blue that – maybe this whole thing would look a lot better, but I understand what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. I, I mean, to be honest with you, we had, uh, I was lucky enough to play in the world's longest hockey game five times. And one year we mimicked the uh, Mercury's of 52. So we had almost identical to what the Oilers are doing right now, except for the colors that were off a little bit. So uh, pretty neat. What's your tour? Uh, you mentioned you're on your way to here and then Calgary. What uh, kind of is your focus, Frank, here in the next uh, week kind of touring Western Canada? really just want to get a feel of, you know, the vibe of each team. Like Vancouver and Calgary to me are two of the most fascinating teams in the league this year. I could see them anywhere from um, really solid playoff teams to really struggling. Um, A lot of it's going to depend on the start. Um, And both those teams I think are facing real pressure to – to win, to be playoff teams, to challenge. Uh, they've got cores that have question marks outstanding. And I think for both these teams, there's probably going to be significant changes if the season doesn't go well. And I don't mean coaching mm-hmm. staff or GM. I mean players, the, the guys in the room, especially in Calgary with uh, so many pending unrestricted free agents. And I also think there's there's not pressure, but um, it's a fascinating year for Elias Pettersson in Vancouver, you know, heading into an RFA year that um, he burst through the door last year with a 102-point season. He thinks he's in that range, and rightfully so, moving forward as one of the top five or ten scorers in the league. Uh, but he's got to go do it again because he doesn't have a contract for next season. How tough of a job does uh, Craig Conroy have in Calgary these next few months? Well, I think the nice thing for him is that he can kind of read and react, that he held the band together uh, through what was or could have been a pretty tumultuous summer. Uh, They were able to quiet that down pretty quickly. And I think the results will speak for themselves. Um, Like I said, their their mission and mandate is to win, to be Mm -hmm. a playoff team. They think they can bounce back and be one of the better teams in the league after not making it last year. I wouldn't put it past them with the quality of players that they have. Yeah. and if that's the case, my guess is that everything will kind of take care of itself, that you'll see players step up um, depending on how things go with Ryan Huska and how competitive the team is uh, to be, hey, we want to resign here. We think we can challenge and win a Stanley Cup. That's the big yeah. question that everyone asks themselves when trying to figure out the next place that they want to play. And if Calgary has just as good a shot as any and the Flames are willing and obviously interested, then there should be something to work out. Hey, uh, Franks, uh, thanks so much for this, uh, Frank Cervelli, uh, Daily Faceoff. We'll see you at the rink on Wednesday, I hope. Yep, sounds good, Kevin. Okay, that's uh, Frank Cervelli, our daily headliner, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call them Mr. for all your plumbing needs. You can go to mrrooter.ca. And uh, where do you want to go with the plumbing tip of the day, uh, Duke? I think we're going to go with the maintain your sump pump. Test your sump pump to ensure it's working correctly. Clear debris from the sump pit to prevent clogs. How many sump pumps you got going out at the farm, Duke? Uh, well, there's uh, one in the bottom <laughs> of the well, uh, okay, for yeah. sure. To, Wait, to well, thanks, you. tips. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, we don't got uh, a permanent top over top of the old... Um, 
the old main well for the farm there or whatever. Yeah. You know, the old one, there's a pump house over top. But otherwise, no, not uh, too many because we just grew up in the trailer, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no um, no basement or anything to keep things uh, moving in that regard. But it's um, it's important. If you get one of those clogged up or something, then yeah. you're, in a, you're in a world of trouble. So just like the the tip said keep everything clean cleaned <laughs> up and and uh moving swiftly so are you taking the like are you on a little one of those late rope ladders down to the bottom of the well there to make sure she's nice and clean not pretty clean? much actually yeah is uh you kind of scale scurry your way down there if something's out of whack or <laughs> if something's uh if not working properly or worst case scenario gets froze up in one of those yeah. really really cold spells uh in dead winter time but you know fingers crossed you never really have to go down there because <laughs> otherwise that means something has gone awry and uh, your day just got a whole lot worse. How deep is your well there? Like, what are you looking at? Like, are you going down? Uh, just to, like to, to where everything yeah. is, like, uh, it's probably like about 15, 20 feet uh, down to the ground. Maybe not even quite, but mm-hmm. um, how deep the well actually goes that, I'm not sure. It's been there my my yeah. whole life, but. Yeah. I actually, I remember well witching when I was probably about 30 years ago. Have you ever tried that? No. Okay. So you take, some guys have it in their bones, in their body. They can take a. Um, like a crowbar. If they take a crowbar, they can walk out to an area and basically that crowbar goes to the ground. They can't even pick it up. It's so heavy. Mm. So it is, the minerals in that composition of the crowbar are, are attracted to the water underground. Now, the other one that a lot of guys have used over the years are two coat hangers. That's what the old guys used to do. So you take two coat hangers, you put one in each, you bend them into like an L kind of mm-hmm. shape, you put them in your hand, and then you walk around where you think there is a water vein. Mm-hmm. Now, once you get to that area, and you can hang on to those coat hangers as hard as you possibly can, but they will cross. Mm-hmm. And, and that, yeah, we use that to, uh, to track down uh, lines underground. Yeah. Um, they said if you if you need to dig something across the yard, but you can't remember quite where the the lines are running to, you run that and you get a little uh, um, interference on the the hangers, and they'll crisscross up on you, and they there give you a good go. indication about where to steer clear of. Okay. So once again, to avoid having a really bad day, if you go digging and find something you weren't looking for. Duke's farming tips brought to you by. Well, that's going to be a great segment when we get things rolling here. Um, we will have some uh, open time with the Duke when we come back. A couple of things we want to talk about. Ryder Cup is coming up uh, on the tail of the Solheim Cup. Did anyone even know the Solheim Cup was on? Did you? Not many. Um, also, the Ryder Cup, it's, uh, what are we at here? Uh, 24 years ago, one of the greatest moments in Ryder Cup history. We're going to talk about that. Uh, and a whole lot more on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program, 845 in the Capital Region. Duke, I, that one's, uh, I can't put my finger on that one. What, who do we got there? The pickup man himself, Joe Diffie. Oh, smoking Joe Diffie. Yeah, okay, that's a good tune. Um, just want to remind our listeners about our um, Sports Central bike drive. We are, well, we got about a week left in it. So, and also Stingray... Um, the Little Miracles Trust Fund here at Stingray is donating $5,000 to purchase bikes, but we'd like to try to get that matched by our listeners. If people want to send in a donation, uh, just you know, shoot me off a, a, a text, shoot me off an email at kevin at sports1440.ca. Uh, we'll figure things out. We'll get you know to, to where you need to go to our marketing department here uh, 
sorry, Saturday will be our last day to collect bikes at uh, United Sport and Cycle, Revolution Cycle, Bonnie Dune Shopping Centre, and Londonderry Mall. So uh, we've been doing it every Saturday for the the first three weeks of uh, September, I believe, and I might be off by a few bikes. uh, We're around 600 bikes. We'd like to get it to 1,000 bikes. And, of course, then with this Little Miracles Trust Fund, $5,000 will go to Sports Central as well from Stingray. And looking forward to getting that money to all the technicians to get these bikes repaired, uh, get them ready to give to the kids, um, uh, you know, for the spring because it's a, you know, every kid needs a bike. And, and I mean, that's how Sports Central has been such a, a key part of our city, uh, helping out kids and, and things like that. So um, if you can help out, please do. We'd love uh, for you to be a part of uh, this uh, special initiative. I guess also this weekend, Duke, is uh, the beginning of Fox Sports right here on 1440. Coming up uh, on the weekend on October the 1st. So we will have programming sports-wise almost 24-7. Uh, basically everything except from 6 p.m. to 9 uh, p.m. But after 9 p.m. all the way right through to our show in the morning, and especially on weekends. That's the key. I think so many people on, uh, you know, on the road on the weekends, you might be running around your kids, you're running around this, you're running around uh, doing errands and going shopping, etc. So now you've got an opportunity to listen to uh, Fox Sports right here on 1440. Uh, Saturday, massive amount of football going on, obviously. And then Sunday, I mean, the lineup is incredible. We've got some great commentators. Um, so I know, Duke, when you're not watching the replacements or on the couch, or going down in the well at the farm. I mean, this is a great opportunity. I mean, I think it's a situation where, you know, we're, we're trying to build this. We've only been on the air less than a month, but look how far we've come in that time here at Sports 1440. Yeah, this is this is great because, uh, like you said, I do a lot of shuttling back and forth over the weekends, whether it be just around the city uh, to and from some of my electric factory beer league hockey games or back down to the farm, <laughs> which is a nice couple-hour jaunt. Um, this will be great. Uh, now I don't have to, you know, be flipping around trying to find something to listen to. I can uh, keep my sports programming locked on uh, virtually 24-7 just about now. So that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 Put your name to it. We don't have a name, but I'm just going to read the first line of this one. Hey, Kevin, great show. I do like Frank Sarah Valley. So it comes in S-A-R-A-H. V-A-L-L-E-Y, two words, Sarah Valley. <laughs> the the authentic Italian spelling of Frank's name. <laughs> you know, Frank, he, I bet he just, I'd like to, we got to talk to Frank about his favorite Italian restaurants, food, mafia, <laughs> you know, mafia movies, where Frank ranks all the, you know, Goodfellas, Godfather, Wonder where Frank would land in the in the realm of of the mafia family. Does he make it? Is he the Godfather or is he just one of the guys down? Frank by? looks like uh, one of the guys that's probably like not at the the top notch, but he's the guy that the the boss leans on to get things done. He's so. like the the go man, right? Like the the cog, the is he do, all important cog. Is he doing the dirty work then, or is well, he no, just, he's got people to do the dirty work okay. for him, but he's the one that makes that happen. Like he's the he's the go between between the upper upper level of um, the bosses and the dons, and then your uh, your kind of grunt work down at the lower levels. Frank's the, the like I said, the main cog that keeps the machine turning. Too bad we couldn't get uh, Frank in studio because he would be fun in studio just to kind of. 
you know, when you're on, when you're doing it, and most of the time he's in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So I did kind of, I saw him doing something where he was in Vancouver here. So that's kind of where I asked if he was out there on his way on the Western Canadian NHL tour. This week is the Ryder Cup coming up in Spain. You may have heard of it, but did you hear about the Solheim Cup? Um, shoot us off a text, one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. if you did. Uh, I don't think a lot of people were following it because there was no coverage really. Yes, there was coverage on the Golf Channel and on TV and things like that, but there weren't a lot of people talking about it. Why is that? Well, for the most part, the LPGA doesn't promote its players. It's tour, really, to the extent of what other tours do, other sports um, leagues do. Why is that? Why does the LPGA not promote all of its great players? Why did we not hear about the Ryder Cup or the Solheim Cup on the eve of the Ryder Cup here? Is it because, you know, they're both, you know, in overseas, in Spain kind of thing? Why is that? Duke, do you have... Any answer, any reasoning behind this? Did you watch any Solheim Cup? I did not. Okay. And uh, like uh, like you said, I'm one of the people in the camp that wasn't even really aware of it uh, of it being on. Uh, I'm a... I'll call myself, admittedly, like a pretty fair-weather uh, golf fan when it comes to watching. I love watching the majors. Um, and, you know, throughout the course of the summer with the rest of the sports schedule being a little bit slower, I'll tune into mm-hmm. uh, some, uh, some other tour events. But... Outside of the majors and then this Ryder Cup uh, every second year, I, I don't watch a ton of golf. I, I kind of prefer to be out there playing it, mm-hmm. um, get out on the course when I can as opposed to sitting down over the weekends. But it it wasn't even on my radar that it was on because, like you said, I didn't see anything about it across my social medias or elsewhere. Texter uh, writes in, I literally thought that tournament was a hockey tournament that was going on or something and never really heard of it before. Years ago, the Solheim Cup, when Annika Sorenstam was playing, I think against um, great, uh, you know, there were so many great American women playing against Annika Sorenstam that it was an event to watch. But for some reason, whatever it is, in the last, I don't know, five, ten, maybe a little bit more um, years, for some reason, the LPGA has not promoted its players, has not... Um, made it aware that these great tournaments are going on. Yeah, we hear Brooke Henderson in Canada and we all follow Brooke Henderson and without question, Brooke Henderson now is the greatest professional golfer to come out of Canada, women or men. I think um, her last win probably vaulted her over um, Mike Weir because of Weir's win at the Masters was such a big, big deal. But... um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know why the LPGA doesn't promote its players as much as uh, it should. Uh, Sandman sends one in. Morning, gents. I watched the entire final day of the Solheim Cup, and it was fantastic. I can't wait for the Ryder Cup. I'm watching all of it. I hope to one day get out to one in person. Okay, now, that's a. this is a great text. Because everyone that watches golf enjoys, to an extent, this you know once every two years to watch the Ryder Cup President's Cup isn't doesn't have the cachet it doesn't um, but when you have the team aspect that's what everyone wants there's that other element that that brings on because now it's not just individual golf 
man on man on woman on woman. It it is now the team aspect, and that's what people like to see. 1999 was at Brookline. Uh, the Americans beat Europe in a close match. They were trailing. The Americans were trailing the Ryder Cup to Europe on the final day. The biggest story of that whole tournament was Justin Leonard. Made his putt on 17, I believe, and it was a long putt, 45, 50 feet. Everyone went bananas, jumped on the green. Now the biggest problem was that Jose Maria Alathabal had about a 25-footer to tie the hole. And by the time order was restored... It was a, you know what, show, and they just, I mean, Olathobel wasn't even close to making his putt. But anyway, that is probably one of the most controversial, most watched uh, Ryder Cups in history. Texture writes in, uh, no coverage because nobody cares about women's sports. Oh, man. Tennis and golf might be the exception, but even then, no comparison to the men's uh, events. That's from Tub Guy, and I'm sure some women will be... Replying to that text as well. Um, I did, can't understand this one that comes in, but uh, I think the general consensus is that I, the the Solheim Cup could have been promoted a lot more. Looking forward to the Ryder Cup. Uh, speaking of cups, Duke, one quick one for you before we uh, pump the brakes. Did you uh, do you ever watch documentaries? Uh, do you like do you like the sports documentaries? Love them. Okay, yeah. Untold. Uh, I can't remember what uh, streaming service it's on. They did one on the America's Cup from 1983, yachting, sailing. Oh, okay. so yeah. I yeah. think that might have been one of the um, Untold. Untold. Things yeah, it's, on it's, Netflix. It's, it's Untold. It's uh, yeah. but it, this is the first time Australia, like the Americans, lost in like a hundred and whatever years. Uh, so it was in 1983. And it was a big, big deal. Uh, it's a great documentary. Uh, but that was today in 1983 when... Aust- and it was all about... I think the, they had the hull or something was on the bottom of the boat, like whatever. And it was they said it wasn't designed in Australia. The Americans were going bananas. But that happened today. Anyway, uh, when we come back, we will check in with Chris Mason, Valley Sports South, color analyst for the National Predators, former... Red Deer native. So uh, lots of ties to this area. Before we get to Christo, here's the Duke with a sports update. Brought to you by Cattail Crossing. Enjoy half-price golf Monday to Thursday. Elevate your game without emptying your wallet. Book your tee time today. Cattailcrossing.ca. <laughs> 